I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for the Cretum du Dauphiné Stage 2 recap from Saint-Péret to Breathe Sharon Zach, 170 k's long. Similar stage with similar problems for some of the teams as yesterday with uh, a 10-kilometre, 5% climb, 60 k's in, then a valley, then the Col de Mesillac, 11.5 k's, 4%. But I think it's it's actually longer than that. Uh, the KOM point is two-thirds the way up the climb. I think it's like 15 k's, then a sort of rolling ridge line or up in the, before they descend to the valley, then a punchy 1 k, 5%. 1k 5% again back to back with 10k's to go after a quick descent then a sprint finish well maybe a sprint finish it's just a difficult stage where you got climbs uh it's hard for Gronovegan who struggled yesterday and we don't have many pure sprinters here in Bauhaus I think he's probably sick he abandoned today but before we get into the action the breakaway mention our show partners Swift Swift has 11 worlds, over 140 routes for you to go solo on or meet up with real friends with virtual meetups, making the rides more fun. You can create a meetup to get up and riding with people from all over the world, jet to the desert, climb a volcano, escape to the futuristic New York City. So many routes are yours to explore all on your own all the time. So if you want to check out Zwift. It's a free seven-day trial at Zwift.com. But we had a break, Benji. Not very well represented, a lot of the teams. Like it was the French teams again, but yeah, like no trek again. Yeah, once again. And it's uh, it's quite riders that are actually doing relatively well this year. For example, if Yelegak has been off the screen for quite a bit, but this year, I swear I've seen him in multiple races actually doing something very, uh, very strong. And therefore, we knew that he's got a bit of an engine in that breakaway. Under Skarset from Unox, he's, uh, I think he got third in like a Croatia uh, stage last year. Villamor also in the breakaway. He uh, has been riding strongly in Asturias this year. Got fourth and third on two stages there. And I think uh, some pretty decent results in Alps and Maritime de Var at the start of the season as well. De La Plaza in the breakaway, winner of Paddy Colombert this year, and Kevin Vermarke. I vaguely remember this guy because in 2018 or 2019, this man was coming up with LBLU23 as one of the races that he won. And then it kind of didn't go as planned anymore. And yeah, he's kind of been looking for that form ever since. But at the start of the season, that Omani was pretty strong on Jabal Alagdar and so forth. But uh, hey, those were the riders in the breakaway today. And uh, when it comes to the peloton, I was curious who's going to be pacing. Because yesterday we spoke about it. Is Ineos going to uh, go all in for Hater once again, knowing that he lost from Vanard? Is Vanard going to uh, have his team do something, knowing that they've got Roglic and so forth in the squad? Is Trek going to try again with Steven? Like, all these questions to be made and whether Grunewagen was going to survive and whether Bex was going to control the breakaway once again. But what was your take on the breakaway chase today? Well, like yesterday, I mean, he's here now, so you have to do something on this stage for Grunewagen. So bike exchange, we're keeping the gap close to the break because you don't want a furious pace over that long climb. Um, 
he was dropped pretty shortly and it was another bad day for bike exchange. No domestiques pacing once again. He lost minutes on the climb. So Gronewegen out, Bauhaus abandoned, as I said. So it's really the sprinters we have on offer. And Yumbo clearly don't care that much about the stage. At least they didn't for the most part of the stage. They just offered Harper to help. I do think it... We'll talk about how this impacts their tour, what happens in this stage at the end of the, uh, the recap. But yeah... Not having Dennis and having Harper there, I think, does make a big difference in terms of flat firepower for Jumbo Visma. Uh, but yeah, they were pulling, and it was Trek once again, who, as I said, like they got Bernard, they got Elison, they got these other riders. They and Sturvin had the interview uh, before the stage saying they wouldn't really try again the way they did yesterday. And then they, they lit up their last climb again, right? Yeah, they did. But I think the aspect that I see to it is that I personally, when it comes to Steven, I don't expect him to win a, a sprint like this. I don't expect him to do great at a reduced sprint like this. So the only option I see is that they spent their energy uh, to try and reduce the domestiques of other teams to try and make a situation where Steven can attack in the final last kilometer from the peloton. That's the only situation in which I see Steven do something for a victory in a stage like this. Does that make sense? Because like, I swear in, like, reduced sprints, I just don't see it. Yeah, I, I don't really know, like, what the plan is uh, there. And I've already said free scones. It's not really gaining much traction, <laughs> that movement. Uh, <laughs> but I'm trying my best for him and Kenny. Kenny, actually, and Bernard, like, they were really good in the Vontu stage last year with Mollema. Uh, wow, it was just better. Anyway, it, it wasn't a great stage in the end. Bit of a mess. Ineos, I think... They started pacing this descent. The gap went from 130 to 110 to the breakaway with De La Place, uh, Vermarca, Viermo, Skarseth, Legac, just to remind you of who was in there. And Ineos pacing the descent. They get to the flasher section with the rolling hills and Yumbo haven't offered Benoit or Laporte yet, just Kreisweik and a tired Harper. And I think Ineos were like, fuck you. Like, no, we're not doing yesterday again. We're not pacing all the finish again. Trek paced with Schoens a little bit, but they didn't send, Ineos did not send forward. If I'm wrong, forgive me. They did not send forward Kwiatkowski or Dunbar uh, to pace. They did use Deplus. They did use Amador, but they didn't use Kwiatkowski or Dunbar. And it's kind of a... It's a numbers game. Yumbo sent forward two, Kreuzweik and Harper. And so Ineos are like, we're not giving you more than two. And then <laughs> it's a stalemate. And then the break's not being brought back. And so it's three, <laughs> it's like six Ks to go, 35 seconds. And Trek are done. They just don't have the firepower. And the break's working together really well, like the whole time. They all know they've got to go to the line. And Ineos stop. And then Yumbo all of a sudden go from. They're like, call our bluff, call our bluff. We don't care about the stage. To panic pulling with a note on the front, with even Roglic taking a pull, it seemed. Now, he might have just, I was like, are they just doing this for the three-kilometer zone to keep Roglic safe? But it seemed like five Ks to go, panic stations, maybe a call on the road to go for the stage. I don't know. I'm trying to read it. It's like mixed messages, and it was too late. If they started 500 meters earlier with Benoit, if they started without panicking, just three, four Ks earlier, sending Benoit and Laporte to just contribute to the pacing of Kreuzweik instead, 
Wavanaugh wins this stage, but instead we have the breakaway going clear. Uh, very, very weird. Vermark went on the front with like 600 meters to go. They start finessing. Uh, Legac, no, no, Delaplace, the archaic guy, starts a sprint with 400. Then Legac starts his sprint with 300, gets a big gap on Viermo, and he gets reeled in with about 50 meters to go. Skarseth, the Unox Norwegians, on Viermo's wheel, uh, but can't come around him. So that goes to Alexei. Viermo, the 34-year-old, nine wins on his career. His last World Tour win was in the Tour de France Stage 8 in 2015. Yeah, Britannia, what the fuck? I think back in the day, he like attacked early, and the group of GC riders was looking at each other, and therefore he got the benefit there, but he was also a pretty good puncher back then. But wonderful win by Viermo, to be honest, another World Tour win, which is not easy to grab. He has the peloton miscalculated, as in multiple teams tried their tactics and... Some of them weren't that intriguing to my personal opinion. For example, let's talk about the Umbo factor there. I feel like you either have to choose between taking it up earlier or not taking it up at all and just bluffing the entire way through because it's on paper only the Dauphiné, if it makes sense like that. But never in hell should there be a situation where Roglic is pulling for Wout van Aert like this, especially in, like, even in the Dauphiné, like, we're like so close to the Twitter front. Roglic shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, and by early, well, I don't, I, I don't think we mean taking it up with 150 k's to go. Yeah, like the other teams still bike exchange did the pacing at the start of the stage. We mean if you want to win the stage with Wout, and this is going for if you wanted to get the green, if the stage is bookmarked for Wout in the tour. And the other teams are calling your bluff and you do really want to win it, particularly when you won the stage yesterday, you have to send forward more riders earlier to pace. Um, and then Ghana will pull later and that will probably help you take another 5, 10 seconds, which he did do in the last kilometre. But, yeah, it's it's tricky. Yes, no Dennis. I think it makes a big difference. Are the teams smaller here? One rider less per team. One rider less per team. It does make a difference not having Dennis, not having another engine. I uh, do want to add that. When it comes to the parkour of the stage, yesterday we mentioned that it looked like the parkour where a, a peloton can miscalculate the breakaway. The factor that we've got that tiny descent towards the line, that rather larger descent earlier, so that if riders in the breakaway keep most, well, at least a number of energy left for that final to kick it up a notch, then it's going to be troublesome for the peloton. And I think that combined with what was happening in the peloton led to this breakaway winning. Because on paper, this is a decent breakaway, but not an outrageous one. This is not Magnus Court, Nielsen, and so forth in the breakaway, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, that uh, Giro breakaway with Athene, DeBont, and Magnus Court was ridiculous. And this is actually the second time this year Total Energy's rider has nicked a World Tour win in France from Yumbo, although Pedersen beat one up and up <laughs> in the sprint in Paranese Stage 6 when Bergado attacked late on that climb and uh, no one could bring him back and there was a bit of finessing there. I think if you're Ineos, Benji, you successfully called Yumbo's bluff because now you know actually they will pull. They will. Um, You know, that's why I sort of, if they were trying, if Yumbo were playing it cool, we don't care about the stage, we don't care about the jersey, maybe they were trying to give the jersey away, I don't know. Like, I don't, is it, is it that much of a big deal to 
have Wout in the jersey tomorrow? Maybe, uh, I guess. Um, and now any else that we're thinking, they will pull. So we will definitely be calling your number and bluff uh, again. But, yeah, I think we knew this sort of thing would happen. It happened in the Criterium de Dauphiné last year. That time it was Cold Brelli who missed out on like three stage wins with the smaller teams and poor Santiago Trago couldn't bring back uh, Postelberger it was on stage two. So, yeah, any last thoughts from this stage, Benji? I'll just check. GC uh, Viermo goes into the leader's jersey. He is five seconds ahead of Wout van Aert. So Wout's on five seconds and Hades on nine and it doesn't really matter. Uh, but, yeah, that'll be nice for Total to have that jersey. Yes, certainly. A wonderful thing for them to have that jersey. I think it was a similar stage to yesterday, but this time around, the breakaway ended up making it to the line because it was a stronger breakaway and because the Peloton's uh, chasing tactics were not on point enough to uh, catch them. But hey, that's honestly all I can say about this stage, to be honest. Not that much happened in it. And I feel like the only thing I was kind of, in, well, not intrigued by it, a bit like surprised by it, is Roglic just pulling. I I can't wrap my head around Roglic pulling in that. Uh, he didn't that pull for that long, I don't think. Yeah, but like him, he, he moved to the front and pulled for a bit and went back. Like, I don't see that as a a good choice. I wouldn't have minded if they full committed to it. Imagine if they went TTT ten <laughs> k's to go, and he was like doing the Wiggins lead out for Cav on the tour. That'd be good for morale ahead of the tour. I think with about oh, I think with about tenish kilometers to go, less than ten kilometers to go. They were on the top of the last climb of the stage, that tiny climb, and they had like six riders of Jumbo at the front, and they had basically Ineos sitting with one domestique left ahead of Hater, or whoever it was from their team, Gegenhard might have been there with Hater, I don't even know, but I saw two Ineos people there, two Bahrain people there near the front, and like six Jumbo people. If a Jumbo rider attacks there, like, what happens? Is that two meme attacky for, for, for your taste? Let's Mikhail. say Roglic attacks there, Parini style. Quieto gets him. <laughs> I'm, I'm back in on Kwiatkowski. He's an animal. Um, tomorrow's stage, speaking of Jumbo Visma and very difficult decisions to be made by them, 170 k's from Saint-Polion to Chastre-Sancy, 170 k's, as I said again, same as today. And it is not a sprint stage. There's some medium mountain climbs like 3.5 k's, 6%, a valley, a step shallow gradient climb as they get up to this sort of plateau uh, around, I don't know where this is, in the Rhone uh, region of France, some more rolling climbs, and then what will surely be an uphill sprint finish. 6.2 Ks, 5.6%. But here's the kicker. You're like, everyone's saying Roglic, right? Everyone's right now is just saying, okay, it's Roglic, easy dub. He won a 2 k 6% finish against Laporte in Paranese last year to Shurub. And this is 6Ks, 5.5%. The problem for him is, well, it's not really a problem. <laughs> it's a good problem to have. The first 5Ks are actually 7%. And the last K is 1% with a little kicker in the last 100 meters. I actually don't know how to play this stage. Is it Wout? or Roglic looking at the final climb I dare to say that if that final climb is really as like relatively flat compared to the rest of the climb that the profile is telling us then I'd argue the finish itself fits Woutmore the sprint finish but it'll have to get over the climb at 
perfectly then to make that happen. And looking at the other riders like Hater and so forth, that finished with Fidem as well after a climb with a, a sprinty finish like that. We've seen that on the uh, flatter sprint yesterday that Fanad beat Hater, but is that going to be the same after the climb initially? I don't know. And I fear that if they go with Roglic, they might get beaten by Hater. Does that make sense? Yeah, because if Hader can withstand, and he said he's climbing well, I think, I think there's an easy option here. And as you know, Yumbo don't really care about the stages too much. I think the easy option here ahead of the tour is to have Roglic give Wout a lead out with Laporte, and that's good for morale. It's repayment for Paris Nice stage eight. It gives Wout an opportunity after missing out today, and even if Hater does win, Roglic's sacrificed nothing really for him because Robert's just here for GC and he's got a 11k 12k nine and a half percent climb coming up so I think that's what I would do if I was them I would let Ineos take it up because Wout is quicker than Hater we saw again today dusted him in the sprint and then have Robert and Laporte give Wout a lead out I mean maybe you don't even need to do that maybe Laporte can Laporte withstand this hmm depends how it's paced obviously Exactly. I think it depends on the tempo. If it's like properly hard pace, I don't actually see Laporte making it to the final of this climb to actually do the lead out personally. But he could prove me wrong, to be honest. But on the other hand, oh, when you like... But no, it's here. He should be able to do a lead out, right? Yeah, true. But what if you consider this an opportunity to try and like go for longer than just a sprint with, with Primoz? And you like try and do a one-two where Fanat is a sprinty option. The Roglic tries to like get away in that sense uh, a bit of a reverse lead out by Rogic and trying to go gain some time as a consequence on the steeper section of the climb or is it not steep enough for it that's the other option if you want to be super aggressive you attack with Rogic before that last kilometer he goes solo and it's a flat section and then Ineos could be out of domestiques Bahrain will be riding for turns there's Kelderman for Bora there are punchy riders here Jorgensen for Movistar. Johannesson? So, is Johannesson here? Uh, I think they were both here. He is. Yeah, he's fast yeah. too. Pains me to say it. So, yeah, that's another <laughs> option is you have Roglic go and then Wout sits in the wheels while other riders bring Roglic back on that flat section. Or even Benoit. I, I think maybe you send Benoit if you don't want to, you know, that's a bit risky to send Roglic. So, or Jonas, <laughs> like, fuck. <laughs> a few options. Um I'm trying to look through for McNulty. Do not count out McNulty. He came third in an uphill sprint against uh, Aaron Baru and Colbrelli in the Dauphinate last year. He should be good on this sort of finish. Ayuso is very fast as well. We saw on La Molina in the finish. Uh, Benjamin Tomar probably a bit hard for him. Lef- I think the problem is Benji. If you don't pace, then you'll have guys like Bargui, Lafay, uh, Guerrero, all these guys attacking, and then that's going to be difficult to bring back on the last K. So, Aeneas and Yumbo should line it out if I was if I was yeah. them. Any dark horses, some really dark horses. Ooh, perhaps an Honore, but I feel like he hasn't gotten to the level that I expected from him at the start of the season yet because he had quite some trouble going into the classic season. I think injury or COVID, one of the two, and... We've seen him get gradually better now recently, but he's not there yet for me to really uh, come and do something on a finish like this already. But um, ah, a real outsider? I don't know, man. Like, what's up with... Hmm, 
do you think this is too difficult for like a Sean Quinn? He climbs pretty well. The problem is it's it sort of finishes uphill, but not too much. I mean, EF will surely be trying something. Uh, I'm trying to also look. Bagioli, of course, I would pick every day of the week, except he's had a few injury issues. If he was in his Cuyera form in the Vuelta, I would put him down as like second, third favorite. Um, yeah. But he just isn't uh, isn't there right now. Simon Clark, I will be having a little nibble on top mm-hmm. three if I can. Um, I think there might be some good odds. And Clark was active yesterday, just like Benji said, Honore was active yesterday. So that's a bit of a tell for who has some decent legs. Uh, but we haven't mentioned Dylan Turns, the winner of Flesh and strongest <laughs> in Liège. Like Bahrain, really, they got uh, Caruso, Hage, Sanchez, Hausler. They got a good team as well for that last climb. No? I don't believe in Turns is like sprint on a 1% section. That's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah. It doesn't finish really uphill. Like, you're right. That flesh was, yeah, it's like a 30-second sprint. He has not a 10-second, not a uh, as we even saw in that Romandy finish. I uh, think that I'm going to go for uh, that outsider pick, actually. I'm going to go for Sean Quinn on this one for my pick because if I'm going back to his history, there was a stage of Tour of the Alps, Kalsam Grosglockner, which was uh, the one where that Lopez ended up winning, where he caught... Le Pinot in the end but in the group behind Sean Quinn was getting third and it's like a 13 kilometer climb but the end was rather flat compared to the start of the climb so I think if he can get like third in the sprint in that group he can uh get over this climb and sprint with the best I'm praying that Wilco takes his first world to win Wilco <laughs> high key low key to quote LeBron quite fast actually, as we saw in the first Budapest stage in the Giro. But that's all from us today. Uh, the women's tour had a late finish because of uh, first medical reasons and then the like safety of the finish. So we'll be covering that tomorrow when it fini- well, it's finished after we start recording and we'll recap that. But we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thanks to Zwift, as always, our show partner. We'll see you with a recap of stage three tomorrow. Probably be a break after all that discussion. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 